The Morning Huddle with David Hurlbutt. Weekday mornings at 8. Welcome back, everyone. 8.15 in the morning, Friday, July 1st. Let's cut to it. I'm 50 years old. I'm not afraid to say it. My next guest is one of my childhood heroes. Seven-time major winner, one Grand Slam doubles championship, Sweden's own Mats Vlander joining us live from Wimbledon. Mats, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you doing this, I guess, afternoon for you? Yes, I'm doing good, especially after that introduction, David. There's very few people that actually say that these days, but... uh, (laughs) Um, normally they say that they grew up playing with the same racket as me, but, uh, yeah, no, it's great to be here. Um, it's a, it's a good day. Novak Djokovic just took onto the center court. We just did a live uh, piece, uh, for Eurosport, which is why I'm here, um, uh, about Unz Jabur and some of the other matches. Francis Tiafo, one of them, had a great win today. So yeah, Wimbledon is, is, is good. Oh, man. Listen, I know we uh, just have a few minutes with you, and if you ever have to run, you just say, David, I've got to run, and we're grateful for your time. But, Mats, tell me, what did Wimbledon mean to you? What does M- Wimbledon mean to the players growing up? I mean, it's, um, the, it's the mecca, right? Well, it depends on how you look at it, I think. Uh, it's the mecca in terms of what you have grown up watching on TV as a kid. Uh, and then you arrive here uh, for the first time. For me, that was a 17-year-old. I just won the French Open, and they put me on center court. And then you realize that, wow, Wimbledon is bigger than any player in the history of our sport. Um, I don't really know how to play on a grass court. Nobody really knows how to play on a grass court because we don't grow up on it. We don't play on it. Yeah. Uh, there's very few uh, p- possibilities to practice on it. So I've always stated that I don't think there are any grass court specialists anymore. There used to be when three majors were on grass, actually, Australia, U.S. Open, and Wimbledon. But, yes. but today, it's just a survival thing. And it seems like the more times you play Wimbledon, um, the better you become on grass because of the experience. So someone like Novak Djokovic is just getting better and better and better on grass. But um, yes, it feels a little bit like you're in a museum, to be honest. You walk on the center court, and the, the, it's always full. It doesn't matter even if I'm playing. It's full. Even if you were playing, it would be full. They just love to sit there and take in the the atmosphere and the views, and it's just such a pristine place. Uh, The other grandstands are a little bit wilder. Um, They're bigger uh, in terms of the stand capacity as well. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's obviously very special. And if you had a choice, which which grandstand would you rather win? Tennis wise, I would say the other three majors. But in terms of recognition and history, most probably Wimbledon. Talk with Matt Vlander, one of the all-time great men's tennis players. Matt, you, you alluded to it, uh, the serve and volley. I, I look at the grass court now, center court, Matt. So when I was growing up watching you and your countryman Edbert and Rafter and Becker and Sampras and Martina, the middle of the court, the, the tee right there at the service boxes was all worn out. Now I look at center court Wimbledon, and it's beautiful. It looks like the, the greens at Augusta National. So is serve and volley just dead? Is it going to come back? What's going on? Uh, it's not coming back um, as a majority tactical play on grass courts, that's for sure, because it's much slower these days. And um, they actually changed it after um, a few finals between Gore and even where the ball was in play less than two times on average. Gotcha. Um, and then also another reason was they changed it because they had the Olympics here um, right after, about a month after Wimbledon. And I believe that was 2010 maybe um and they needed the grass to come back uh to look green again so they've changed it from a bent grass to a more of a rye grass so they can make it longer 
but the ball sinks into the grass and pops right up. So it's easier to return serve because it's green in the service boxes, that's yep. for sure. Yep. Um, but um, it still changes dramatically going into the second week and towards the end of the tournament. So that's a change that you don't have to make on other, in other surfaces, but here you do, and, and that's what I always found tricky is the second week when the court is beat up and chewed up and the bounces are, are way worse. That's a, it's a, tough, um, it's a t- tough place to move on as well, obviously. Yes, yes. Talk with Matt Vlander live from Wimbledon. Matt, is Nick Kyrgios good for the game? Ah, he is good <laughs> for the game when he decides to play tennis uh, the way he's playing right now. Uh, when he also comes out, uh, I think it was yesterday after his match, and, and uh, he said something along the lines of, I have the best chance to win a Grand Slam here at Wimbledon, and I've never heard him uh, project any future goals uh, in his career ever. And to hear him say that and to look at him playing, he's a threat this year, a major, major threat. And I'm even going to go out to, on the limb and say that he's most probably one of the three, four players that can win Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, and he's great for the game. It's, it's only when he decides not to try, but even the chirping between points, uh, some of it's hysterically funny and some of it's pretty harsh, but yeah. people love it, and, and he is good for the game. And the tweeners and the underhand serves, I mean, that's, that's just what he does to entertain himself, maybe entertain the crowd. Uh, but uh, in the end, I think he's, he's, he wants to win tennis matches these days, and maybe he wants to prove a point to all of us doubters or maybe even to himself. So I, I love having the curious back in, in the limelight for sure. But it doesn't get any easier for him. He's got, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's got Sissipas next. So, I mean, the he number does, four seed. Yeah, he goes in with a 3-0 record, though. He's beaten them three out of three. Um, okay. He's, he's most probably, I'm guessing, two, three years older than Sissipas. And, and it's, it's always kind of confusing, but he has a good record against uh, Alexander Zverev. Daniel Medvedev, um, Stefan Tsitsipasi, I think they've grown up watching Nick Curios, thinking he's going to be one of the, the next greats of the sport. They all know how talented he is. They all know how good he is when he wants to play. And I think there's a lot of respect uh, there that goes way beyond his ranking or way beyond what he's done uh, in the past few weeks. So I think that uh, there's a bit of an intimidation factor going on. The question is, can he last five sets? That's always been... Uh, the 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 problem, I guess, for him because he just doesn't play enough matches yeah. uh, to 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 stay physically fit throughout maybe one match, but but two, three, four, five matches in a row. What about Djokovic? His last match was an absolute clinic. Uh, I mean, can anyone yeah. beat this guy? Uh, well, he's not going to beat himself. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, now that we mentioned Nick Kyrgios, I think there's two players that, that he does not want to play necessarily. And I think it's Nick Kyrgios and it's John Isner. So uh, the, the challenge for them is obviously going to be to get there. But uh, you don't want to play those guys. When they serve like that, I don't care if your name is Novak Djokovic. But as soon as the ball is in play, um, he's going to win seven out of ten uh, rallies. If he serves well, he's going to hold serve, and then he's willing. He's able to take a few risks in the return games. But, I mean, can they beat him? It's a collective effort to me. It's a collective effort, meaning everyone needs to take a bite out of him. Whether you can win or not, you need to keep him out there for as long as possible. You need to have him lose a little bit of confidence. You need to have him slip and slide around. Uh, but um, even he has figured out when to slide to not slip on a grass court. So, yeah, I guess... He's a heavy, heavy favorite, but mm-hmm. um, it is still Wimbledon, and uh, he's chasing history, whether he likes to talk about it or not. 
He needs to win here to not be two or even three behind Rafa Nadal in the in the chase for most Grand Slams. Absolutely. How surprised were you that Serena went out in the first round? I'm not surprised that she went out. Um, I'm su- I was a little surprised that she actually decided to come back and play tennis again. And uh, like she said herself, she, she never announced a retirement. Uh, I guess most of us just assumed that that uh, she might not. She hurt herself uh, here last year, and that was the last competitive match she played. Um, she, her mindset seems seems very very sane, very uh, very normal. Uh, in the press conference afterwards, she didn't talk about uh, trying to win her next Grand Slam or or tying Margaret Court. She just said that she she didn't really think about uh, retiring or didn't think about anything. She's enjoying life and and she felt like playing tennis again. So I don't think we should go in and expect her to win another Grand Slam. It's unfair to her. It's unfair to the other players in the draw. But sure. just uh, relish the fact that she she is back. She's going to most probably play a few tournaments before the U.S. Open and and then. Um, Maybe that'll be her last tournament, but I don't think so. I really don't. I think her, both her and Venus are, are here for the very, very long haul. And with games like that, uh, they can still play with the younger players because of the power they possess. Absolutely. Matt, I just have two more quick questions for you. We're talking with no Matt Vlander. Uh, and hey, I'll, I'll talk all day with you, my man. Um, Coco Goff, how far can she yep. go in this tournament? How far can she go in her career? What do you think of this young lady? Um, I think it's it's actually a great question because both both are she can go very far. Um, she loves to play on grass. This is where she broke through as a 15 year old. Um, she she moves maybe the best of all women on this surface. She started serving much harder and better at the same time. Um, the only uh, weakness I see is the forehand side. Her her forehand. Side Swing is a little bit too long uh, for my liking. It's a little bit too long for returning serve, and most probably a little bit too long a swing for playing on a grass court with bad bounces. But uh, what she has is a mindset that is not one of an 18-year-old, but is one of a of a citizen of the world who's who's very aware of uh, of how important tennis is in her life. And and I don't think it's the most important thing. I think life is way uh. more important to her than playing tennis, which which I think is is a very common thread when you um, when you look at the, the great champions that we've had in our sports. So she's going to go very far. Wonderful, wonderful. Matt, I lied. I, I, I have two more quick questions for you now. My first one is, yep. my, my grandparents lived in Greenwich, Connecticut. And All right. I, yeah, yeah. And I remember a time on North Street, North Street in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I remember a time when you and Lendl lived there together. And I'm probably 14 or 15. I thought, man, that's not fair. They're one, two in the world and they're one, two in Greenwich. I mean, the, the, the second guy doesn't even get the bragging rights in town. But did you guys ever practice <laughs> together when you lived there? Did you ever practice with Lendl? Yes, I practiced with him. It was probably a handful of times and until I realized that this is not good for me. Um, <laughs> because Ivan doesn't care if it's golf or chess or uh, whatever the game is. He's going to try and kick your butt as badly as possible. So uh, we practiced very different. I, I was on the practice court and trying to trying to uh, learn new things, trying to improve, to come to the net, improve my slice back. And then Lendl was on the practice court to try and beat anybody he was up against. So it wasn't necessarily good for me. But, uh, yeah, I was number one in Greenwich for about, let's see, in the rankings for four months. For tennis-wise, <laughs> maybe for a week after I beat him at the U.S. Open in 88. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I moved there because I heard um, that... Uh, 
uh, Ivan said it was a great place to live if you live in New York City, move out here. And so uh, we were always have been good friends, but obviously not uh, uh, on um, going out for dinners and stuff in, in Greenwich, Connecticut, when we were what, number one and number two and fighting out all those Grand Slam finals. But we're, we are great friends, a lot of respect for Ivan. And he actually asked me to play against him for his last, exhibition competitive match in his hometown in the Czech Republic oh. and that was obviously a great honor for me back in Ostrava about seven, eight years ago he called and said could you please be the one that um, I guess he didn't want to ask John McEnroe or Jimmy Connors <laughs> there's a bit of bad blood there but I didn't have bad blood with anyone so yeah well, he's a great guy and we're good friends and um, no, he can have that. He can be number one in the world, and uh, number one in Greenwich, Connecticut, at the same time as me. No problem. Oh, oh that's hysterical. That is awesome. Who's going to hate a Swede anyway? I'm half Norwegian. You can't, you can't dislike a Scandinavian, Matt. I mean, come on, that's impossible. Last question. Well, there was a oh. famous, there was a famous joke, David, uh, when we played in the U.S. Open final the second year in a row. We played in '87, and he beat me in four sets. Yep. And then we were about to play in '88, and the joke was, if a, a Czechoslovakian player, of course, that's. That was what it was back then, and a Swedish player jumped from the Empire State Building. Who hits the ground first? And of course, the answer uh, nobody knew it. And, and, and somebody said, "Well, who really cares?" <laughs> so uh, I don't think necessarily people. Uh, uh, I think they enjoyed the fight. I certainly enjoy playing him. I know that Ivan, and this is the biggest honor I've ever heard a player say that he uh, he had worse nightmares before he played me than any other player on tour. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding, because that's what he does these days, is kid all the time. But no, he actually thought that. So, uh, yeah, he, he well, great rivalry. My, my biggest and greatest rivalry was definitely against Ivan. Oh, that's amazing. I, when I watched him play with the sawdust in his pocket, I, I, I would never know that Lendl was a kidder. That is great. That is awesome Big stuff. Time. Last yes, question, Matt. Last question. And maybe the most important question for today. Are you going to get in any Lynx golf while you're in the UK? Well, the dream is still alive that they change their mind and not and don't play on the middle Sunday uh, in a couple of days. Yep. That was the, maybe the, the best part about being playing at Wimbledon um, and also working here was that there was a day off uh, on a Sunday, and, and some of it was to save the courts. Uh, some of it was uh, for uh, the old tradition of religion to not do anything on Sundays, but sure. um, I don't think so. I don't. My days are pretty full. My golf game's horrible, uh, and um, the only reason I might get on the golf course and play is because I don't want to ever lose to Andy Zodin <laughs> on the golf course, nor in the tennis court, but uh, definitely not on the golf course. But he's getting closer. I, I assume you mean in golf, not tennis. I, sh- I assume it's still a double of bagel. Of course, I'm talking about. Of course, I'm talking about golf, not yeah. tennis. But no, he's a great tennis player as well. So, uh, but I got a couple of years on him there, so I don't think that he's going to grow any younger. No, 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 Matt, you're the best man. This this was a real treat. No problem. Let's do it again. Have a great time. Thank you, sir. David, thank you so much. Thank you. You got it, Matt Vlander. I could talk to that guy all day about sports, golf, tennis. Talking to one of your heroes. How much fun is that? All right, let's make a late turn on the show. So much more to talk about. Glad you could join us right here. Mile High Sports. You good, Danny? You good? I'm throwing curveballs at you. Oh, yeah, you're good. All righty, later, folks.